time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Again, let's see how the audio works. I'm dialed in electronically into the switchboard to see how long it holds up. Ben, David, Matt, you're going to have to let me know if something goes south on this thing. But anyway, it's good to have you all here with us. Appreciate you for being here. So much to talk about. It is Monday, July 31st. And uh, again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. We're grateful to have you as a listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information you can listen to anytime, anywhere. And I want to say thank you to all of you that are listening anytime, anywhere, and telling others about it. It's obviously catching on. Thousands and thousands of people each week, sometime each day, are dialing in. We're averaging somewhere around 2,000 downloads per day. So that's pretty good. How many people touching and listening to this pro- pro- program that we're touching? We appreciate the feedback. Most of, almost everything I get is so positive. And um, they're enjoying the content. We keep it high level. We keep it entertaining. And it's the anecdotal stuff we throw in. Sometimes it gets everyone chuckling. But we're really grateful to have you here. We're very grateful for our sponsors as well. Our newest sponsor is Byte Software. Again, designed to be both a powerful and flexible LOS system. It's an enterprise-level LOS system. Many people think of the old, old Byte from years ago, which had a large section, a large part of their customer base was smaller mortgage lenders, but it has grown out. We have some of the largest companies out there. CMG uses it. Atlantic Bay uses it. Radius Financial uses it. We could go on and on with a large list of some of the most successful lenders in the marketplace using Byte software. The nice part is they have one-year contracts. Think about that. When it comes to renewals, they don't want to lock you up. They want to prove themselves each and every year what they do for you. I love the attitude that I'm hearing from Byte Software. They, I predict, I was just talking to someone, they said they was getting interviewed, as I do now, get interviewed, it's all to me interviewing as many people as I do. They're saying, who is the one of the up-and-comers when it comes to the LOS world? I said, pay attention to Byte, and I'm not just saying that just because of them being a sponsor, but it's what their approach and their attitude. It's so much about strategy and attitude and how you take care of your customers. Check them out. I could go on and on about also Finastra. Love having the largest FinTech company in the world be an advertiser with us. Finastra is a thought leader in the marketplace. What they're doing is creating critical thought, fostering critical thought conversations. Uh, through their webinars and through many of the things. They're a tech company, and they have a solid technology in what they're doing. So check out what we are doing with them, and we're going to be having some more podcasts coming up. We have one from a year ago. Michael Hedrick was on with us. He listened to that podcast back in July 25th. We're doing a, a recording another one that's coming up. But what, here's what I'm looking at. When you look at Finastra, you look at the global leader in the marketplace, Go over to their website, check out all their product offerings, what they're updating and what they're doing. Check them out. They are clearly the company that you want to be listening to and paying attention to. Another company that's doing an amazing job, just talked to one of their top executives, is Total Ex- Expert. It turns the customer insights into actionable events 
and increases loyalty and drives growth for any of the one that's anyone that's involved in the mortgage lending process. Again, go listen to the interview I did with Joe Weldu. It was done on March 15th, but it's so timely. And you listen to the adages. I mean, we just released one with Mar- Mighty Mike, uh, Magic Mike, excuse me, Mighty Mike, Magic Mike, all the same. He does a fabulous job in the integration, what they're doing there. It's an attitude of what can we do? What can we do? They have that can-do attitude. And so more interviews coming up. Uh, the people that we met at the Total Expert Conference, really, again, outstanding conference. Also grateful for Candor Technologies, the only automated underwriting system to earn a patent for its unique tech solution. Again, think about all the people doing underwriting. They're the only one to get on, uh, be able to win and be able to secure a patent for their unique processes. Again, Candor optimizes their loan delivery workflow so operations can be right-sized for the last time. Also, you just increase productivity with your underwriting crew. Where's our clients that are using Candor are experiencing that. Also, Simple Nexus, grateful for them. We listened to the interview we did with uh, with um, uh, Andrea Lightfoot back in March. And... Uh, Appreciate them. Also, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Lenders One, Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Coop, Mobility MMI, and Modex. Love these guys who are doing what they're doing with business intelligence. Talking with Dale Larson of Modex last week, what you can do with these tools, both MMI and Modex, and they have a unique, different approach. I have access and license to both, and I use them differently, but they really fit harmoniously alongside of each other. So it's not a one or the other. They may be competitors. I think there's room for both, and a strong strategy and argument can be made to be using both of these technologies. That's why we both have them both as advertisers here. Also, mortgage advisory tools. So we're grateful for our sponsors. That makes this podcast possible, and we're grateful for you, our listener. July 26th, we released the interview with Bill Cosgrove of Union Home Mortgage. Again, not surprising that it got an explosive number of listens. It is really was excellent, um, very popular podcast. I have gotten so many comments from so many people. Bill is a leader. He's just a tre- tremendous individual. Take a listen to the visionary thoughts, his forward thinking about our industry in that interview. Check it out. Released it on last Wednesday. It's at the top of the list of our listens. Coming out this week will be August 2nd. On Wednesday of this week, we'll be releasing the interview with Mike Russell, also known as Magic Mike with Total Expert integrating how they integrate mortgage technology in the whole entire ecosystem. Very good stuff that they have. Shout out to Adam DeSanctis. You can hear his report in just a minute. Les Parker, who will be dialing in. Very excited to have Les joining us, talking a little bit beyond just the markets, talking about some M&A activity that's going on out there. Matt Graham is here in his awesomeness. (laughs) Founder of... uh, mbslive.net, as well as Dave Kittle dialed in. So loving having the Kittle here every time he's here. We harass him. Such a good friend. And then Alice Alvey, she's on PTO, wishing you a great day off, Alice, as well as Alan Pollock is dialed in. Got a good tech update. Mark Helm is on an airplane. He won't be joining me as a co-host. So let's get started with today's MBA Mortgage Minute with Adam DeSantis. Hi, I'm Adam DeSantis. This is the Mortgage Minute, the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. The biggest news from last week came from the Federal Reserve, FDIC, and OCC on Thursday with the release of its proposed changes to capital requirements for banks with assets of $100 billion or more. The so-called endgame proposed rules complete U.S. regulators' implementation of the Basel III standards and make changes in response to the recent large bank failures. 
MBA strongly opposes certain provisions of the proposal, which without significant revisions will increase borrowing costs and reduce credit availability. We also have concerns that the large increases in capital standards will likely stunt macroeconomic growth and reduce banks' participation as single-family and commercial multifamily lenders, servicers, and providers of warehouse lines and mortgage servicing rights financing. Among other things, the proposed changes effectively increase capital requirements at large banks by about 15 to 20 percent, large enough to impact which lines of business banks choose to support or withdraw from and with potential implications for the entire mortgage market. Furthermore, the changes to the risk weighting on certain mortgage loans held by the largest banks go beyond the Basel III Accord and in turn could cause banks to pull back even further from the mortgage business, making homeownership less attainable to first-time homebuyers and LMI borrowers with smaller down payments. MBA will formulate our response to the proposal with several key recommendations to mitigate this adverse impacts to borrowers in single-family and commercial multifamily markets. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Wow. A lot in there, Adam. I'm going to go back and listen to that again. Again, you can do so on our website. Go into the Look It On Lending website. We've got each one of them. Thank God for Ben Dela Cruz. He's my assistant, works with me on the podcast, works with me in the business, in the consulting business. And um, he does, he's done a great job of categorizing, indexing all of these. So you can access them on our website. Go to Look It On Lending and listen to Adam's downloads. All of them, each one of the segments, you know. Les Parkers, Matt Grahams, Gittles, Albies, as well as Pollock's, and then um, Mark's comments, all indexed out there. So you can listen to if you want to binge on Adam and the NBA Minute or binge on on Albie, uh, binge on the markets. I mean, it's all there. So many people are commenting that this has been a powerful way. If they want to get an update on the markets, they go listen to Matt Graham just talk on and on and on about what's going on, what's going on, and they get a historical perspective of what's happening. Again, it's all great stuff, and it's on our website. Check it out. Let's get over to Les Parker with today's TM Spotlight and some insights to what he's got for us. And then Les dialed in. We're going to be talking to him just a minute after Matt Graham's report. So we're going to go Les Parker, Matt Graham, then we're going to get uh, we're going to get Les, to, who's waiting in the line to talk about some of the M&A activities going on, then we'll get off to Kittle. So we got a lot of lineup. So let's get over to NBA time, the Spotlight. TM Spotlight, here we go. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Chairman Bell is smarter than the average bear. Chairman Bell is always in the trader's hair. At the banker's table, you will find him there. Stuffing down more data than the average bear. What happens to rates the rest of the year? The Fed set up the markets for disruptive moves based on data. If so, then what datum shifts the pile into an avalanche? The return of higher volatility suggests market makers don't believe peace and tranquility are ahead with the Fed's commitment to data reading. Why did Hanna-Barbera make only one Yogi Bear? Because when they tried to make a second, they made a boo-boo. Rates go down. Powell's making dots better than a millionaire. These dudes are mine. That's because he's smarter than an average bear. That's because he's smarter than the average bear. Oh, my gosh. We got to go right to Les Parker after that one. That one was hilarious. So, (laughs) Parker, we're moving up the order. I'm doing – I'm calling an audible here. That was outstanding. Les, good to have you here with us live. After that segment, what can I say? Are you there, Lester? Are you there? 
he may have heard told me he's on if you're on that you're on mute on your side Les, because we're not hearing you on our side if you are in fact there but oh my i'm gosh, right sorry. here sorry about oh, that you're... i left the mute uh on yeah. um i want to hear matt graham first he was going to comment i think immediately okay. on my well, okay okay we'll, we'll, hey hey we'll, hey <laughs> we'll go to matt graham then stay there parker we're going to be right back with you so all right matt graham i bet it, that was that was brilliant and what he did but and there's a lot in there. Matt Graham, good to have you here. And by the way, if you want to sign up with Les Parker's TM Spotlight, and get you all out of order here, folks, then you can do so. Then sign up for the paid version of the letter by going by putting into tmspotlight.com. Go in and enter. I want to sign up for the paid version. Put in the word power for power seller, and you get the newsletter for free. Now joining us, Matt Graham, founder, CEO of MBS Awesome, most informative, mbslive.net with a market over do you Matt how do you follow that but oh you got to just amplify it and call attention to uh to how appropriate and accurate it is because that's it really that's what's going on right now and that's what my my opening commentary for the week was it, it was all about <clears throat> the reconnection between economic data and market movement so the more varied the data is the more volatility we're going to have and it's just it's an interesting time because you know um the most recent uh, sort of era that's available to our memories as market watchers is this post great financial crisis era in which most of the years, probably 80% of the time was spent with a, a relative disconnection between economic data and market movement. And if we look at the, the timeframes where that occurred, it uh, almost like clockwork happened when the Fed was engaged in a policy stance that was well understood and not likely to change for the foreseeable future. And then there was a big reconnection with data when things were in a state of flux. For instance, early 2013, uh, Bernanke, you know, started talking about tapering, but then the data uh, right. took things in one direction and then the data took things in the other direction, especially May 3rd, 2013, when uh, the NFP was revised for the previous month and the current month NFP came out and you had one of the biggest episodes of market movement in a long oh, time yeah. at the time. Yeah. And uh, then same story, you know, post COVID, the Fed stance was well understood. Volatility was incredibly muted through most of 2021. And then 2022, when policy was in a state of flux, you see things start to pick back up, especially with respect to CPI. Then, you know, the Fed was in this sort of uh, predictable rate hike cycle. Things leveled off again, went sideways. Now that the Fed is uh, talking about, hey, maybe we're at our terminal rate and we're just going to modulate policy by how long we stay there, uh, but we'll let data decide. Now you have both the Fed and the rest of the financial market hanging on every word that comes out of these economic reports. And that's what my segment this morning was going to dovetail into, was just going to say, you know, they reiterated that. Powell did a great job of reiterating that last week, really threaded the needle, in my opinion. Market reaction concurred. Following day, we had econ data that was much stronger than expected, both for jobless claims and GDP, and you saw rates take off very quickly. So the, the formula played out in real time. And now this week, uh, if we're thinking about the big ticket report that happened between now and the next Fed announcement, this week has a an outsized proportion of those reports, uh, not just because we have NFP on Friday, the, the big jobs report, but we also get both ISM reports, ADP jobs, 
uh, jolts, job openings, and labor turnover survey tomorrow. And uh, let's see. Well, of course, with us as always is jobless claims. But anyway, it's, you know, the star-studded lineup. And um, if the message is unified, uh, we could see quite a bit of movement, you know, 20 bits, 30 bits in 10-year yield. And if the message is mixed or conflicted, then we could just see a ton of two-way volatility. Either way, uh, Les's message about more volatility is uh, right on and data dependent. A phrase you'll get more tired of hearing than you already are. Hey, hey, hey. He does it so well. Uh, All right, Parker. Or is it well, we can deter you quickly if we're doing that. Those are Yogi Berra and Madea. But that was really brilliant, Parker, what you did. Uh, I love I love for going, what you got going on. Before we move into talking about the M&A well, stuff. Well, Matt comments? does such a good job of giving the details of why. I mean, that, that's all yeah. of what I, you know, that's the beauty of how you've lined up this program. I mean, I get to do my fun little thing, and I try to have at least one, if not two, pretty significant items that's embedded in there. And then Matt, of course, he has to, he presents it all, right? So that's yeah. what, what the data recently was, what the data recently were, and what the data are going to be. And right. in what those interpretations were in the past and what the interpretations will be. And I get to just have fun. So thanks a yep. lot, Matt. I do appreciate what you do. Yeah, it's good teamwork. Yeah, it is good teamwork. <laughs> and and what what is at you guys both know Adam, uh, your previous partner in the business, uh, and you're both real close to him. And so I think it's fun to see how you guys link up on some of the data that's out there. And I love Adam uh, Kronos's, uh reports that he his newsletter, so I should give him a shout out on that. Um, any, Adam Kinyonis. Adam Kinyonis. Yeah, I said that a little too quickly. Kinyonis. Yes, Adam Kinyonis. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Yeah. And, and his Brilliant. mind, the way yeah. he writes Beautiful. is yeah. just amazing. Any one of our listeners is not getting signed up. You can call out. it that. Yes, you can call it amazing. That's a good word. It, it is. It's really <laughs> well written. Well, well, Matt and I both love uh, Adam. I think we both know him for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Big, big admirer of him. Okay. Anything else, Matt, for us today? Um, no, I think we, we touched on all the important points. Uh, higher rates last week due to that data and uh, anybody's guess this week due to the upcoming yep. data. Yep. Who's another week Amen. of a lot possible volatility. So anyway, all right, let's get into the M&A section. Last again, thanks for joining us for an M&A update. Appreciate it so much. All right, let's uh, oh, talk. Oh, you want me to give you an update? I'm just going to start yes, talking. Yes, No, 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 no. I'll tell you what. I'll just say, I'll say this, and because I know you've been wanting me to ask basically what's happening in M&A deals, because I know right. you've that's, seen that's M&A being picked up. So the pace of M&A over the last 12 months is double what it was during the pandemic years for 2020 right. and 2021. At least, you know, if you uh, – as you do, we all respect uh, Stratmore, and they've put out some good data on their internals. And their internals for 20 and 21, if you add them all up, they did 43 M&A deals. And then in uh, 2022 and 2023 to date, it's about 110. 
Hmm. So it's a significant increase in the pace. And then even if you break down what happened in 2022 and 2023, you see that acceleration. So it has accelerated, and today's sellers want to take the money, run, and let a new generation weather the trend, the turmoil uh, to reach the next promised land. And I, I think that's what we're in the midst of. Is that where we should tee up the music? Fools rush in. Where's angels you Remember that song? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would probably think of something that was written in twenty uh, in year two thousand rather than is it nineteen forties or forty one? Yeah. I'm trying to remember when yeah, when you good. heard that or fifties. Sixties, sixties. That's okay, Dave. I mean, we are yep. close to the same age. Yeah, it was. It's it was amazing Rick to Nelson. me where your it's mind goes. Song. You know. Yeah, it's a Ricky Nelson song. But anyway, anyway, you could do Dean Crosby. We could do a lot of songs. That's the beautiful part. You get me thinking about songs when I start on your segment because you do such a good job of integrating <laughs> songs into the segment. But we also are yep. seeing a lot of people hanging on. A lot of that came as a result of people having a lot of, they made a lot of money and they were hoping against hope that things would continue on. I posted something on LinkedIn here recently. It shows all these guys hanging from the bridge and it was the hanging on contest <laughs> where people see who can hold on the longest. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then the last one, and then they one by one as fatigue sets in, they start dropping from the bridge. And that's what we're kind of seeing going on. People hanging on, but more people are dropping from the bridge as they try to hang on or throwing in the towel, whatever it is. So, you know, you're, it's really interesting. You know, your observations, those are keen observations, Dave, but that's why we pay you the big bucks. Um, (laughs) So so after the run-up, so let's do a little history here. After the run-up in in rates in 2022, so I'm not dealing with the 1950s, um, 2022, mortgage lenders and MMLOs bought, what do they think? They thought there was going to be a rapid return to the lows of rates, and it would bring back volume margins. Mm-hmm. They were instead deer in the headlights of three cars and two semis. <laughs> they and then when the so when the first three cars come by, they were dazed, maimed, and panicked. But before they and that's before they saw. The two semis, they just knew there were a lot of lights coming at them. Yeah. And so now we have the new normal. Uh, so what's, what are the two semis? One semi is the new normal of 6% plus mortgages, you know, yeah. 6% rates with a housing slump. So those two combined together, a housing slump with 6% rates and new demands on capital and cash. And that's the <laughs> second semi that's not talked about much. It's but really if you talk point. to yeah. any of the major players, they all say it. So, therefore, what does Kramer say? The mad money guy. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's so important. And that's spot on. That's exactly what I see. It's ugly except for those that have the night vision glasses or the tech vision where mm-hmm. they have the sales prowess and the real estate expectations for a return on investment over multiple years, yeah. not Quarters. It's a multiple year. You've got to see this in a, an elongated period, not in a quarterly format or mine, which many people do have that, not that longer term focus. But how do you decide mm-hmm. or how do you advise lenders 
You and I work together within TMS on this M&A area. So how do you advise the lenders on when to unplug or sell? Well, unplug means shut down, just take the cash off the table. Anyone, that's right. Well, anyone and everyone would love to exit and take a premium. Because essentially if you sell thing, right, if you, let's say you have, you have licenses and you have, you have uh, a, some system of some sort, but you mainly have licenses. Somebody to have, not have to go through the same time and effort to get all of those things. But the only way they can get, the only way they can acquire those licenses is if they have all of that experience and qualified right. people. So they would all, they'll all take a premium. What, what happens is, can they in fact if, if that's what it boils down to, because what are going to be their contingent liabilities? Do they have the team to transition to a new owner? Does the new owner have the capital and expertise that investors and states require? And finally, they're going to have to have the time to transition. It's going to take about four months. There's people that get to this end, and now they have to either unplug or sell. They get to this end, and they say, uh, yeah, I want it. I'm going to sell. I want my premium. I want it now. Mm, yeah, yeah. And and that's really where some of the challenges are, is I want it and I want it now. I mean, many would argue that right. they missed the premium window by hanging on as long as they have because that's they've already right. they've, right. they've been losing that. Uh, don't you have that's sellers right. that want to find a buyer? Don't you have sellers? We do. But, you know, it really, those questions that I pose, that if, if the seller can't answer those affirmative, you know, have a positive response to those, then they're not going to be able to sell. So there's plenty of companies that are ready to unplug, but they have some dangling participles, right? They have some contingent liabilities out there that the they really – it's probably easier and better for them just to unplug and realize, say, force them to have to come after them of a closed down company and your net worth. So there's things they can kind of protect and delay and things like that. If you do it, if you sell it, now the buyer is going to, um, they have to take on that, all those, all those liabilities, but so somebody has to stand behind it. So, that means the buyer is going to be looking for the seller to stand behind it. So in my case, um, well, actually in our case, okay, we have okay. a company that's two fully functionally. There are two companies that are part of the same parent, mm-hmm. and they're fully functioning. Well, they need to fold them together. So they're in the process of folding them together. Um, all the legal parts done. But they have to also fold all the people in there. So that leaves Fannie Mae Seller Service or Freddie Mac Seller Service or HUD, DA, you know, all the things, multiple states. So can someone step into this company that's in the process of being emptied? Yes. But they would have to have what? They'd have to have capital. They have to have people. They have to have a process. So they have to have. Uh, know what type of LOS they're going to have. They have to have a tech plan. They have to have people that they know they can plug in, and they've got to have production to get it kind of moving fairly quickly 
two mm-hmm. levels that would justify the premium they're going to pay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good point. I mean, and I know there's price points all over the map out there, but this is what you're talking about right now. It sounds like it's a pretty mature company, and it, and they're they're transitioning yeah. everyone out. So it's a clean company with yeah. a whole lot of right. uh, other activity. I mean, and, and they also the, have capital to back their indemnification. Ah, okay. See, that's, that's the key a big one. That's to a the big buyer. Do, does the seller have the capital to indemnify? And in this mm-hmm. case, the answer is yes. Yeah, very good. Very, very good. So what does yeah. it take to buy a company like this, Les? I mean, that's, we're using this one as well, an example out there. So, well, I mean, yeah, are we talking massive amounts of money? Well, I think if there's – there's you have a very broad audience that listens to Lick on Landing, yes. downloads it, and we know it's in the thousands. And there's production groups right now that downloaded this and are interested in this. And that's why I thought we we should at least cover numbers. It's, this is not the day of you put up a million dollars, you own a mortgage company, and then four years later, you have a $20 million net worth. That, that, it, it doesn't work that way. Nope. Um, can you get to the $20 million or $40 million net worth in a few years? Yes, but it doesn't take only a million dollars or less. Mm-hmm. So it does take, I would say there's kind of a minimum of around $6 million because you're going to have to have the capital that the company needs to run. And the minimum capital of companies that are seller servicers with the GSCs, and this doesn't even include Jenny May, GSCs, that they really have to be awfully close to $3 million by the time of your return on capital and all those things. Then you also have to have what, what premium is going to be paid. So you have to have the money that has to be in there for this ongoing concern. And most of these companies that are these type companies are gonna have about $3 million in there. You, you have to replace. They have to take yep. out the three, you know, the, uh, the seller's gonna take their three million and you've gotta put the three million in. So that's just a swap essentially of cash. But then there's also a premium. And the premium is you're getting a structure that's over a short time horizon. And that's gonna be in this three million or so level. Addition beyond that, you have to transition into the new world. You you already you really gave a good synopsis of their of that tech vision, and I think you said sales prowess and expectations of investment returns. If and and that 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 sums it up well. If if they're going to have that, there's going to have to be at least two million, if not closer to. Uh, four million that you're going to be needing for the working capital, for your expansion into technology, to sign up the right people, to get the production in there that you need. Hope for all practical purposes, the only one somebody doing this has to have some production that they're bringing right into this. They they do so they do they do. That's the new world. That's the new world. Good stuff, Les Parker. Yeah. Let's get David you need Kittle. Young people with production and that have a vision, and if they do do that. They can lay down their, let's just say, eight million bucks, and you know they obviously need their own personal net worth. But this is what they can go into this type of investment. And if they're in that neighborhood, they have an opportunity to really convert it into a decent return. And they have to have a longer term outlook of a three year outlook, and maybe five year. But they have to have that type of outlook, not just three or five quarters. 
And David Kittle, I'm sitting and listening to him. He says, find some young people. That implies that you and I are too old to be able to buy this company. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks Kittle. for letting me share a few minutes. You bet. No, no, stay, stay right here. Having I wanna, fun with oh. Okay. I stay right here because I want David Kittle to get involved with us on this because M&A is a big, big topic within the collaborative. I know you talk about it a lot, David, and there's been a number of deals where have been orchestrated as a result of the collaborative relationships where intercollaborative or inter-TMC companies have integrated and or, I mean, come together, m and And so we'd love to get your thoughts on all this before we move on. Yeah, so let me give a Three quick bullets that I heard here. First of all, to the M&A thing, um, this is my takeaway in my opinion, and I think it coincides with what Les is saying, is that if you're selling your company today, you're not getting it all up front, you're going to do an earnout on performance. And it has to be a, a cultural play long-term, or that's going to be difficult for you to do. The yeah. second thing is, what I hear is interest rates are around 6%, and they may just stay there. Because you just keep waiting for them to come back down and it doesn't happen, you know, then you've missed it. So let's get used to where they are and quit worrying about rates at this point. They are where they are and deal with what we have. Third thing, and this is the only one point that was brought up today, that everybody listening today and us on here can really facilitate real change. That's MBA's report when they're talking about this onerous stuff that's coming out for capital requirements for banks. MBA is an advocacy group, and they do a great job. You should be a member of the Mortgage Action Alliance. You should get involved right now with your congressman and senator. Start writing letters. Ma will do it for you and start flooding it that they can't do these capital requirements. Mortgage Collaborative is going to step in here, and we're going to represent uh, our members in this, and we're going to take a position on it as well. It will be in lockstep with MBA because this is owned. So you got three things out here right now. Two of them you can sit here and look, and you really can't do anything about, but you can facilitate change on what's going on with these capital requirements, and I urge everybody to do it. Good, good stuff. Yeah, that's a great point. Les, any thoughts as you – I know you have to run out. Any oh, thoughts you I have? listen, uh, anytime Dave uh, Kittle comes in with some of these thoughts, it'd be easy to go on multiple directions. He's a rich um, asset to our industry. Um, but I, let me just close with this on this one deal that we're working. I think the odds are high that we're going to have an LOI. Uh, with, if it's not this uh, the first week of August, we will by the middle of August. So if someone's interested, they really should reach out immediately and see if they can get in the game. We have three interested parties right now, and they haven't given us an LOI yet. If we, When we get the LOI, then we we can start talking. But we need to see the strength of the LOI. It's just like getting a bid on a house. Is it an all-cash deal? Or is there are there all the contingencies? Oh, yeah, well, I need to sell my first home and my second home to be able to buy your home, and I can do that within a year. You know, those types of conditions will you accept. We don't need to expect them that way. We need people that have genuine resources because this is, this is the optimum type of seller. Right. All right. Well, it's good talk on this, and it's great that you come to the podcast uh, talking about M&A generally in a broad sense, and you're talking about a specific deal. So that there are people, there are yeah. deals out there, and uh, while yeah, this has got a short fuse to it, there, there. Well, this may have a short fuse to it. It's good that we get it out there. Good job. Yeah, excellent. We'd be glad to help somebody else in the same situation. Obviously. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Obviously. Thank obviously. You. Thank you. Appreciate it, Les. Yep. Always. Right. I love your report, Yogi Bear, and all. So Thank good. You. Hey, uh-huh. hey, hey. Hey, 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 that's it, boo-boo. All right, let's get over to Mr. Kittle, the Zillow stuff, Kittle. 
this that you and me are talking just about the latest research and what they've released. This is really interesting. Listen to this, folks. Mr. Kittle, how are you doing? Um, am I off mute? There we go. Yeah. Sorry about okay. that. Yeah. So let me uh, pause here one second, David. Apologies. I had it up and it went away. I got that going on. It's called memory. It's called, that's called oh, no. memory. No, it's called being able to read the report that's not up on my screen anymore. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, yeah, uh, here we go. So Zillow in February, their economist, had made a prediction, right, that U.S. home prices had bottomed. Right. And, but would proceed to climb at about half a percent over the next 12 months. And in the months that followed, home prices tracked by Zillow Home Value Index have stopped falling. Between February and June this year, up 4.8%. And that coincided with Zillow repeatedly revising its home price forecast upward. Its latest revision predicts that home prices will rise 6.3% from last June to this June. So they rose more than what they thought. Year over year, wow. All right, so year over year, as prices go up, rates are at six. There's no inventory. And you've got opinion here an administration that has no positive housing policy for anybody. And they want to throw more capital requirements onto the banks. There's no housing policy out there. And it's their policies that have created the inflation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you put all this together, it's not the best sign. Prices are up, inventories are down, rates, if you listen to less what he's saying, probably um, won't fall in the short term. Although, I said last week, and I believe it, we've got an election next year, and that's the caveat of this. So. Yep. Very interesting. So they're saying they're going to be we're, – we're still going to have pretty aggressive home price appreciation, which is going to put the whole barrier to first-time home ownership just out there. Along, that much along with higher rates because it's an inventory problem. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. So, again, what is the opportunity in this, Mr. Kittle? I mean, I'm, I always I'm, I, I look at all these situations. I mean, the good news is where well, you brought this up, I think, last week was the number of um, housing permits are up. We have more home new homes being built now than ever before. New building permits are up. But for the people that already own homes, I mean, that's the other side of it. It's great that building permits are up. Who can buy them? Certainly not the first time home buyer. So it is an affordable housing inventory crisis, and it's been there for a long time. And so 6% interest rates, I know people panic at that after getting used to, you know, free money for the last 15, 16 years and rates falling down below 3%. But in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, you can agree with me or not, 6 is not bad when you compare it to 9, 12, and 15. Oh, yeah. And, and I, we've all, you know, you and I lived through that all the way up to 18.5%. Look at an adjustable rate mortgage. You know, if you really want to buy right now and you believe houses are going to increase and you're buying it as that investment to increase, then go get an arm. And as your house increases, you know, you're making money on that. And if rates do fall, you can refinance. And there's a strategy right there, what you can do. Yep, yep. So that's encouraging because if you're stretching yourself into a home, it is still a leveraged investment, tremendously leveraged. But Zillow is reporting it's going to be a good investment because of where home prices are going. So find a way. Find a way. I find a way to do it. Yep. Mr. Kittle, we appreciate you dialing in and being a part of this every single time. Very welcome, David. You betcha. 
We got Alice again. I said earlier is gone. Has I mean gone? She is here with us every week. She will be back. She's on, she's gone on PTO is what I meant. Yikes! That could have been interpreted wrongly. But we value Alice. We're so grateful that she and her husband are getting some time off and getting to go do some fun. Andy, her husband Andy is just just one of my favorite people out there. He is such a great guy. He's a man's man. He's a he is. You can just want to hang with him. He's uh, a little more low key and, but is the master of understatement. But I want to tell you what a great marriage and what a great couple they are. And I'm so glad they're off celebrating and enjoying some time off. So have a good time, Alice. We miss you, but we do have Alan Pollock here. And Alan, before we get into your segment, I made a major mistake here that I wanted because it goes into technology. And actually, Kittle, I want your thoughts on this as well. We've added a new advertiser iEmergent, I, like iPhone, Emergent. So we have a new sponsor, and they sent in a a spot, and uh, Ben was just communicating with me. We just got it uploaded, so we're going to play that now, because what we're talking about, Mr. Kittle, is business intelligence. Those that are going to succeed are the ones that are using business intelligence the most effective. Modex does that. Well, you could say all the technologies we have, all the advertisers we have, in some way play into the business intelligence part of it. iEmergent does it slightly in a unique way because it focuses on the topic Kittle was just talking about, and that is home price appreciation. Where are the future hot markets? Not only do they have the information they integrate from Modex and MMI, but they also then project this. So listen to this spot that John Maynell just sent in, and we're going to talk a little bit about business intelligence and how iEmergent can help you, our newest sponsor. Thanks, David. The biggest news of the year so far is something not many people are aware of, that within the mortgage industry, we have what are likely the best predictive analytics in the world, where other industries' benchmark expectations are 70%. Today's mortgage lenders are working with purchase forecasts that are close to 100% accurate, 97% on a national level, and for the top 1,000 counties that represent 94% of mortgage volume nationally, the accuracy is 80 to 85% or higher. There are over 84,000 of these forecasts, one for every census tract in the country. They're published by iEmergent. And with that kind of accuracy, these predictive analytics are revolutionizing the way lenders originate in today's market. And we'll talk more about these new growth methods in the coming weeks, David. Thank you, John Maynell, iEmergent. John and I, if you to recognize that voice, John used to be with Motivity Solutions years and years ago, and he produced a number of radio spots. That was the KPR of the week. And so we appreciated John. It's so good to have him uh, back on with his radio voice, a deep radio voice. Kittle, I'm really jealous of his voice. I really am. It's just one of those voices where it's a great radio voice. Anyway, talking about business intelligence, it's almost 100% accuracy, 90-plus percent accuracy. So imagine this, David. Now, and I want you to comment about this, but business intelligence is one of those tools that is so important moving forward. If you could dial into a map of the markets you serve, and then look at and find the markets that have the greatest amount of sales activity now. That's all good. But what about looking forward 24 months? And that's what iEmergent has. That's why I'm so excited to have them. We've been working on getting them on as an advertiser for a while now. But I'm so excited to have them on board because of the predictive accuracy. I mean, I had to go test this when I was – First, John first joined them and started talking to me about this. I go, honestly, it sounds too good to be true. Can you really do that? And the answer is yes. We have verified their representations to be accurate. Think about it, Mr. Kittle. Going into a what? website 
and be able to predict 24 months which markets are going to be the hottest and then be able to know sure. which MLOs are the hottest yeah, in those markets want that, already? David. Yeah, yeah it's just, who wouldn't want something like that? It's amazing. Yeah. You were talking, and we're, we were talking with Alan. We're going to end it with Alan. Uh, before Alan joined, you and I were on a podcast. That's a little giving Alan a little bad time about missing out on the pre-call that we had there. But you and I were talking about technology, and we're talking about that technology. There, it's having the right tech stack, David. And you and I are talking about that, which fits into what Alan's segment is going to talk about in just a minute. Because it, those that have the right tech stack, or not the right combination of technology out there are actually seeing their costs be reduced and their production going down. It's all about going into the right places. I emergent has that with the right loan officers. Who's in those markets serving those. I mean, it's like a no brainer. It's shooting fish in a barrel. Why would anyone not want this? I, it just drives me crazy. Mr. Kittle, lots of thoughts. And then we'll run over to Alan Pollack. Well, certainly I agree with you because, um, you know, we were kind of in lockstep, uh, prior to the show coming on here, and it is all about not the best technology. There's a lot of great technology, but they've all got to integrate into your system and your culture. So who's going to argue with that? And who's, who's going to argue, argue with, the, with with your new sponsor here? You know, if this yeah. works like they say it does, then uh, I'd certainly be looking into it if I still own one of my lending companies. It'd be one yeah. of the first things I'd be looking at going forward, absolutely. Hint, hint. I'm also part trying your, to get – Part of your strategic plan. Yep. By the way, I'm also trying to get them to open up and be considered being a member at TMC. I want them to be a TMC member as well. So we're working on that as well, yeah. David. So anyway, awesome. Alan, Paul, Alan Pollock, good to have you here, friend. You dialed in. Good we're to be here. I'm missing a free call. We were talking about technology, your area. I always get a little nervous when I do it. I can hold my own in that tech conversation, but it's always nice to have you in the room when we're talking about that stuff. Good to have you here. It's great to be here. It's nice to hear you guys are talking tech. So yeah, talking tech. A couple, couple, no big news today, but a couple cool things. I'll just start with a with a nice tidbit. You know, everyone uses Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, but get this, David. Spotify just reported a strong jump in monthly active users. It's up twenty seven percent year after year. You ready for the number? Five hundred and fifty one million wow. in the second quarter. But it's wow. still dipped. And a lot of people, so I, I don't know um, how often you talk to people about what they're listening to on their phones or on their speakers, but a lot of people will say, I can share my Spotify playlist. Just like Netflix and chill, that's become a big term. I can share my Spotify playlist. And so the curation of people creating playlists, no more do you get a CD. Remember David used to make those tapes called David's Best Summer Mix of 75? Can't do that anymore. It's all online. So anyway, Spotify is year after year. That I mean, the numbers are just increasing. Maybe for the realtors listening to our podcast or the mortgage brokers that are working with realtors, uh, make them a playlist. Make them a Spotify list and share it for them to play, probably with your own mortgage commercial stuck in the middle there somewhere. But uh, Spotify is up on, up on the trend. That's really right. interesting because when you – and it's a shareable yeah. part of it. That's really the, the little – That's right new aspect about that that's giving them such growth. That's really interesting. It goes to the whole concept of that which you share out, give away, is actually more powerful. That's very interesting. Yeah, I'm an I'm a, um, Apple podcast guy, and I listen to Apple Music and Apple Podcasts, but staying in the Apple family, but i got to pay attention to that. That's really important, yeah. sharing. 
Yeah, but sure. you know, I, just, I just thought, David, as you're talking, I mean, what, what if you as a, a, a mortgage originator were to, to gift, right, to a real estate agent that, that you're friends with, and you created your own playlist that had your own commercial in the middle and it played during open homes? And that realtor, you know, it subliminally is setting the, the mortgage commercial in the middle of the open house. And then obviously you get referred to potentially by the realtor. So uh, who knows? But as David said earlier, right, rates are here to stay. Um, and I've said this many times, and I know David, you and Mark and others, and maybe even um, David Kittle. Uh, my first house that I bought in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, 6.5%. That was my rate. And that was a fantastic rate. It was in the newspaper, my attorney circled it. He said, this is a great rate, call them. And that's how I got my first house. So uh, I don't think rates are, are really, really a problem. It's inventory and it's, you know, it's the education. So, but I'm not the mortgage expert as far as uh, the origination marketing side. So let me walk you down a couple other great things. Okay, good. There's a company, David, <laughs> called, a, and I can't tell if it's Ariel or Ariel, but Get this, it's an AI tool for TRID compliance. It's a company out of LA. It's a no-code automation platform, and they've just unveiled a closing disclosure balancer. And basically, they take all the data, all the paperwork, the documents, uh, and they verify everything for mortgage settlement. Check it out. It seems like a really cool platform. They, out, they also ensure compliance with the TIL, um, which for those of you that aren't sure what I just said, it's truth in lending. Uh, and, and you want to you want to look at that. So that's something really cool. Uh, then, David, I was reading, and we're going to continue today just briefly what I was talking about vendor management, which is uh, very interesting. You and David were talking about right what is yeah. the right tech stack. So we'll get to that in a moment. But Stratmore um, put out about a week ago or two weeks ago, I think it was this month, um, some in information from their peer group roundtable program, some insights, and what they're stating based on you know. Um, these roundtables are saying the cost to originate a loan through the retail channel for all of their peer groups was $13,131 in 2022. And where did the money go? It went to fulfillment, which is processing, underwriting, closing, and other direct costs. And the average lender cost was about 22%. Sales, you ready? Sales accounted for 55% of the expense, which is huge. And what Garth said is, um, we, he goes, where we've been and where we are with sales compensation and has, has to do with part of this. And he offers ideas on how lenders may tame the beast of sales costs. So he's got an article out there. You can go check it out. I think it's called Sales Compensation. Do you get what you pay for? Uh, you can look at the Stratmore website for that. But more importantly, you know, what is, what is that big tech cost? Some of it is the front end where you have those expenses. There's LO compensation software platforms out there, but realistically, it's part of your tech stack. And there is so much technology that is included and needed. If you remember in the last two podcasts or the two programs that we had, we talked about this. We talked about two major topics, David. The first was keep your eyes down the road, right, which was the risk of hidden financial costs and the increase of costs of multiple vendors as well as the risk of incompatibility. That goes exactly to what you and David were just talking about with the right tech stack. I also talked about time and resource and how much it adds up, the hidden cost of that time and to manage it. Well, there's two more points I wanted to bring up today. The first one is optimized change management for an ROI. So putting new technologies in does not automatically mean 
that you're going to be effective and efficient and everyone's going to adopt it. And there's a, there's a stat out there, David, 35% of IT project implementations are successful. It's a very low number. If you think about yeah. the time and energy that goes into a project, but it can be completely changed. And then second is software providers can become trusted advisors. So if you have the right partners, again, going back to your comment about the right tech stack, clearly with a single vendor or less vendors that have deeper connectivity between the different features are a big win. Now, it's a very careful statement I make there because there's a lot of fantastic vendors and a lot of people, instead of being the jack of all trades, focus on certain things. There is a win-win with both of those theories. So I'm not suggesting that, you know, it's not good to have an all-in-one vendor or you have to have an all-in-one vendor. What I'm suggesting is making sure you have the right partner. There are, and as we talked about, David, there are release notes, there's the incompatibility, there is the workflow. Can you modify the workflow across your tech stacks? What if you find out that your, your customers, your clients come in and they interact with you differently? Are you stuck with the workflow that your vendor has or can you change that? These are all the different things that you have to consider. And I'm going to be honest, and this is a, a shameful plug, um, David, for TMC, but that's one of the reasons why people join TMC. They join because they want to be part of the community. They want to be part of those focus groups to understand how people are leveraging mm -hmm. technology, who the right vendors are, the right partnerships. And obviously, we're, we're at, T, at the um, Ligon and Lending podcast, we're part of another, um, another entity as well. But that's why people go to those locations. That's why David has put so much of his time all these years that he's been part of TNC is to build that trusted group. Uh, mm -hmm. Second, David, is you've got to get together face-to-face -to -face and meet with your vendors. You can't do it all over the phone. There's nothing like a personal relationship. That's why we have these conferences. You don't have to go to every conference, but you need to sit down in a room and you need to be face-to-face. -face. You need to talk about your strategy. You have to open up, and you have to figure out who your trusted partners are. Sometimes it's nothing more than contract negotiations. If you remember, David, we had a podcast a long time ago. We talked about how making sure that you arrange your contracts to your business, meaning that, you don't pay more up front if you're not sure how you're going to scale it. You can't assume everyone's going to adopt it on day one. So how do you outfit your contract to make sure that the implementation and the training are to your benefit, right, as the lender? And also there's, there's, there's skin in the game for the vendor, but at the same time, you're not uploading all your cash and then everything fails and then you're even more upset. So face-to-face -face partnerships, relationships, understanding your tech stack, understanding what the technology is and having the right staff to manage it. Last three weeks, we've talked about some of those topics. Um, that's, that's how it all comes together. So much. easier than it is, right? Oh, yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> that's like watching Kittle or um, Tiger Wood swing a golf club. They make it look so easy. Then I get out there and, and they, everyone breaks into laughter. How can you have so much going on? Like, and when it looks so simple, that's it's right. how the pros do it. Anyway. Good, good report, Alan. Thank you so much for being here. Having the right tech stack is so important. It can actually reduce your costs, unfortunately. Yeah, and David, yeah. you know, with that tech stack, what you just said, the most important thing is you have to make sure that if you're cutting costs and trying to, you know, save money because of that high cost to originate, which yep. we thought years ago would come down and it hasn't, you cannot – reduce your cybersecurity um, so cost. Yeah. That's, that's what we're talking about. 
Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about that next week, David. The title of my segment next week is going to be So You've Been Hacked. Here are the best practices <laughs> on what to do. Yeah. That ought to bring our listeners back. That's that's one of many reasons yeah. I'll be back. Very good. Alan Pollock, thank you so much. If you want to get a hold of Alan, you can text him at Alan, A L L E N, at TMS advisors.com. Appreciate you so much, Alan, David, everyone else. I think it's kind of exited out of here. We're after exiting out. It's the top of the hour. I want to let everyone get back to work. Thank you so much. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Byte Software, Finastra, our newest sponsor, iEmergent, Total Expert, Candor Technologies, Simple Nexus, Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, and Knowledge Coop, Mobility MMI, Modex, Mortgage Advisory Tools, and again, our newest sponsor, iEmergent. So grateful to have all of our sponsors. So grateful to have you as our listeners. Check out our website, lickitonlending.com. All of our advertisers are there. A lot of links, too, that we talk about, touch on here are in the podcast website. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to having you back next week and tell others about our appreciate you. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.